Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a good friend of mine, Greg Krogh of Mogion Rim Outfitters. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. How you doing? Good. It's always great to have you on the podcast. I guess, you know, one thing that's super cool about this podcast is a lot of them we've done here in the last few years, we've kind of been complaining and, and worried about the drought situation. How do you see things going right now, not only in Arizona, but in Nevada, uh, which we're going to talk about the Nevada guided draw primarily, but how are things looking in, in uh, Chino Valley, Arizona, which is where you live, and, and how is it looking over in Nevada? Man, both of them are phenomenal so far. We're, I think last time we did this, we hadn't had any rain in a while, and now we're sitting here at my place looking at snow. <laughs> so it's been a while since we've had a good winter like this, and I think Nevada's even doing better than we are, believe it or not. So it's, I'm really excited about this upcoming year. I was just talking to one of my guides earlier today about <clears throat> how, how much fun it would have had been to have taken the kind of age class of bucks we took last year if it could have just been this year, you know, with the kind of antler growth I think they would have had. Yeah, so talk about last year, um, specifically the mule deer in Nevada, um, since we're going to dive into that. Talk about how that season went, um, and, you know, was it as droughty and as bad as a lot of the deer hunts in Arizona, or how did you fare on those hunts as far as quality, not only what you guys shot, but what you saw across the board as far as antler size last season? You know, it was it was funny last year. Arizona, I thought, was really down. Um, <clears throat> but I think there was parts, specifically Nevada, the desert unit was really down. You know, the 241s, the 245 antler growth was definitely way down. Um, we shot some. We shot a buck last year that was, I think he went like 206 or 207, and he was 34 wide. And I think the year before, um, it was probably at least a minimum of 20. 20 to 25 inches bigger the year before. So it definitely affected the, the antler growth. I mean, it was still a big deer, and they still got their frames. They just weren't as long time, you know. He still had lots of mass. And and then we shot another deer in Nevada that <clears throat> was probably 36 inches wide. And that deer we've had video of the last two years. That uh, Actually, Jason Campbell filmed him the last two years uh, on the late hunt. And he was considerably bigger and quite a bit wider even. And then the year we killed him last year, I think he still went 36. So it wasn't like it wasn't like Arizona where we were completely missing back ends on the elk, but it was definitely down, you know. Um, and then you had other units last year in Nevada where, like 231, seemed to have phenomenal antler growth last year. <clears throat> so it was it was a little bit spotty. I mean, not a little bit spotty, but a little bit uh, uneven. You know, some right. units were pretty yeah. tough, and other units were great. So it just kind of depended on the unit. Um, but I think this year, over there, I think they're all going to be good. We're just we're getting hammered with snow over there. So, Greg, in Nevada, they've got what's called a guide draw, or if you put in with an outfitter such as yourself, you actually have a little bit better odds of drawing. And then they also have the general mule deer draw. Talk a little bit about both draws. And uh, from your perspective, when you talk to clients, why you try and push them towards the guided portion of the draw? Well, we have a regular draw that takes place in April, and then we have the guided draw, the non-resident guide draw that takes place right now. And the guided draw, non-resident guided draw that's going on right now and open for about another month, 
that draw is only for rifle deer hunts. Um, so it's still important to, you know, we still need to talk about the other draw because that's where we do all of our archery deer and our muzzleloader deer. But as far as the guided draw, it's a really good opportunity for someone that doesn't bow hunt or muzzleloader hunt because what it does is it increases their odds in some units by four times, you know. Still not great odds, but even even the really tough units that, say, the top unit of the state that might be a 1% draw might go to a 4% draw, which is, you know, a huge difference. And then in some of the lesser units, it can it's even more than four times easier. So it definitely increases your odds. The only thing about it is is when you draw the tag, it's only valid to be with one of that guide or one of his sub-guides. So it's not something you can go and do on your own. So, you know, but if you're planning on going with a guide, it's a great opportunity because it really does increase your odds. And, Greg, how do you handle everything as far as if someone gives you a call or sends you an email, you basically have a form that you send them, and it's a contract, right, between you and the hunter, and then that gives you the right to put them in uh, as the outfitter. Well, and so then that, t tell me how that works. Well, they've made it a lot easier this uh, last starting last year. That a new company's taking on. What they've done is, if I apply them, we still have to do a power of attorney form, and I send it out, and they have to go get it notarized. But they also have another option now where they can contact me either through the phone or the email, and what I can do is send them my a link, and then they just type in my password and uh, my my guide's license number, and takes them to my page, and then. I give them my PIN number, and then they can apply without having to do the power of attorney anymore. Oh, that's so it great. Makes it a that, lot that's, easier. They just, yeah, yeah, I just send them an email. We talk about it. They decide they want to do it. I send them an email. They click on the hyperlink. They go right there, and then they just, uh, if it's the first time ever applying, they do need to set up a, an account. It, it's similar to like a portal account in Arizona. They do set up very easy. They use your email and your password, and then once they're set up, um, they do just uh, they just go back in, log out, log back in, hit apply for the draw, and then they'll they'll ask for the outfitter's number, which they give them. And then they'll ask for my PIN number. And it makes a very easy process now. Okay, that's good. I want to talk to you about draw strategy that you talk with your clients. Um, you know whether they're a swing for the fence or or an opportunity. But I before we do that, talk a little bit about how points play into the guided draw and the regular draw, and if it's still the same, you know, could you have been a guy that's been applying for Nevada and have, you know, six or eight points, and all of a sudden now you want to go into the guided draw, and, and do those points cross over? How does that work? Yeah, the points are transferable. It, 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 it's good for, uh, they just transfer whether you do the regular draw or the guided draw, and the way their system works is it's a little bit different I'm not really crazy about their system in the sense that they don't set aside tags for the top point holders, like a bonus point pass like Arizona does, where, you know, the top, uh, say, half of the, what is it, in Arizona, it's 20% for, for non-residents, yeah. Um, yeah, 10%. So we don't, they don't do that there. It's more of a random draw, but, but bonus points give you more opportunity. So if you have 10, they square your points in Nevada. So if you have 10 bonus points, that gives you 100 chances in the draw, which obviously if someone's putting in for the first time and he only has or someone in the beginning phase that has, say, two points, they're going to have four balls in the hopper, if you will, versus 100. So bonus points are very important, and, and, they, and you def, they're definitely reflective in when we look at who draws and doesn't. 
But there is that outside chance you could also draw with zero, and that's what Nevada does not want to go away from, is they like that way that you can draw a random tag with zero points, technically. So when you're talking to people, um, there's two strategies, I believe, that you have. Talk about those draw strategies and, and how you go about that when communicating with your clients. <laughs> well, what we do is um, I kind of create an account with everybody and set up something, so I'll send them a reminder every year. And in it, I've got a little bit of background on each particular person, and, and I'll send out two draw strategies. Basically, the first one will... They'll get an email from me, and it'll say, these are the two ways we suggest applying. The first one is for your swing-for-the-fence kind of guy that has an awful lot of points and maybe has already killed several really big, big mule deer, and they're only wanting to go in the top premium spot. They don't care if it takes them 25 years to draw. And then we have another system where uh, another set of applications, which we still apply those top three, but we take one of the top four unit choices out and we add two more on the back end that are easier to draw. They're still not easy. You're still talking about a 15 to 20% draw, but it's a much more realistic draw than the other ones. And that's for a hunt that we do that's typically a 170 to 190 type hunt. Um, and there's still it's still a premium unit. In fact, it's the same unit that's one of the toughest to draw in Nevada two weeks later in the rut. You just you don't get to hunt them in the rut. So we have an early hunt in that unit. Then there's a mid hunt in that unit. And then if you apply for the rut, there's only one tag in that unit. So it's not that it's a, an area that doesn't have good genetics. It's just you're just not getting to hunt it in the rut. It'd be kind of like drawing the strip. You'd much rather have it on those years it's later in the rut versus maybe going up there in late October and having to hunt it for a week. But you're still in an area that has big bucks and you can still produce them, but it turns into more of a 170 to a 190 class hunt. Yeah, so those bigger bucks, they tend to come out more in the rut, and so they're a little more vulnerable during those later time frames, but you get to still hump that same unit. So there's a chance, and every year I assume uh, some of your early hunters shoot some really good bucks, but it's more of a, you have to adjust the um, expectations that it's more of a 170 to a 190 type of hunt, you know, shooting 180s bucks and being really happy about it. Yeah, and like I said, there's been years where, you know, there's been years where we've shot bigger bucks on the early hunt than we did on the rut hunt. You know, it just, I'm not saying it can, it's just if you're, <clears throat> you know, you obviously you're going to have a better, we're going to, over the long haul, we're going to kill the bigger bucks on the rut hunt, you know, on that rifle hunt. But right. it's not, it's not, in my opinion, it's worth for the guys that don't have a ton of points. It's a great opportunity to still have a chance at a really big buck. You'll see lots of deer, and you're still in a good quality hunt with the outside chance of one of those bigger bucks making a mistake without the rut. You know, it happens every year, but, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I'd rather have that hunt. I'd rather have the rut tag, but we still kill a lot of good bucks on that early hunt. Greg, talk a little bit about your guides um, and, and the quality of guides that you've had for a long period of time, and um, talk about how important having those guides and having guys that, you know, you can send people out with and really trust um, their ability to, you know, find these big mule deer. You know, I, you know, Paul Stewart, he's been with me the longest, and Paul's, you know, my age, and, and uh, so I've got somebody like Paul that's been with me forever that's so experienced. He's been guiding for probably 30 years, and, uh, you know, I, I just, you can send him with anybody. I've never, I can honestly say I've never had a complaint on Paul ever. <laughs> he's just phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, and then in the last three or four years, I've hired 
four new guys that are all much younger in their, you know, mid-20s. And, man, I was so hesitant about it at first, and I'm kind of older school, and I just kept thinking, man, these guys, at that age, there's just no way they're going to be as as good as what I would want them to be, and I've just been blown away, you know. They're teaching me stuff, you know. It, it's amazing. They're so aggressive. They're so gung-ho, and they're, they're just, you know, the technological part of it, just as far as phone apps, using map programs, and, you know, how to get into place. We used to do, you remember old school, we used to go in there and have to, you know, hike our way in with a GPS and then, you know, mark the spots and follow breadcrumbs to get in there in the dark. And now these guys are showing me apps with phones where they can show me where the buck is, you know, in the dark yeah. on an app and then walk a route in there, you know, where you could, you could go in there with zero visibility. And that's something that we never used to do. I can remember years ago, outglassing up a bull in maybe a new area that we hadn't been in a lot, and you find a bull and just having no way to get in in the dark because we just couldn't figure out a way to do it in the pitch black, you know. And now yeah. with these guys, they'll find a deer, <clears throat> and I'll go to them with stuff. And now I've figured out the programs, but in the beginning, three years ago, I'd go to them with an app and um, have them show me how to do it, you know. So they're they're really good. They got, they're just so aggressive. They're, they, you know, I go hunting for four or five months, and at the end of the four or five months, I get, I'm ready to take a break. These guys, they'll go hunting for four or five months, and then they want to go coyote calling the next day when their first day off. It's crazy. You know, they're just ate up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got Jeff Rowe, Matt Kelly, Sergio Scarf, um, and then Taylor Price has helped me some quite a bit in Nevada last year. And I just, I don't think there's four better guys out there. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I hope they never leave. That's awesome. Well, congratulations for finding those guys. And it's always great. You know, the young guys keep pushing us older guys, um, you know, and and uh, it's all, always great to have that, you know, youthful spirit and, and you know, the go get them attitude. Um, let's talk a little bit about the units uh, that you like to guide in. And, um, I mean, I, it's no secret the units that you like, uh, but talk a little bit about each one. Um, and, and as you do, I may have questions as you're talking about them. Yeah, we, the way, we, you know, the top, we basically are hunting the top three units, at least in my opinion, the top three units, and then with our top four, and then the dates kind of vary. We hunt 241 to 245, which is an extremely difficult hunt to draw. There's about four tags in it on the guide draw, and it's it's got everything from pines all the way down to creosote flat Joshua tree desert, you know, and it's, it's a huge area. Um, starts north of Vegas and goes all the way up to, you know, almost to, you know, up basically almost to Pioche, up to Panaca. Uh, phenomenal area. Very, I think that unit is more dependent on moisture than some of the other units because it's very arid, but when it gets a good wet year like this, it usually explodes. Um, that's got probably the top end bucks in the state, in my opinion. A um, little bit tougher hunt, and lower, quite a, quite a bit lower densities of deer. Now, does it have both the early and the later season, that 241 to 245, or does it just have one or the other? It just has the general one, which goes from October 5th until the 31st. So it, it does not have, it does not go into like, no, no, it used to years ago go all the way into like November 8th, but it doesn't do that anymore. And I think that's a big part of why it <clears throat> consistently cruises such big deer, because, you know, you know how it is without the rut, it, these deer make it you know the majority of them make it and when you have a rut hunt it starts to take its toll over the years and then you almost need the rut in order to find a big buck 
because that unit doesn't have a rut hunt, there's a lot of deer that can live in that thick stuff and make it, and, and, and you get to see some pretty special deer. That's that's awesome. Okay, sounds good. So 241 then, to 245. And then, yeah, and then we also like 221 to 223 and 131 to 134. Those are both of our rut hunts. They each only have one tag. Um, those are hunts where one of them goes till the fifth or the I think the fifth or the sixth, and one of them goes through November eighth, and that starts getting you into the beginning of the rut. And by the end of those hunts, they seem to be really cranking. <clears throat> That's a lot of fun. You're hunting deer in the low. A lot of those deer migrate into that more glassable winter range where you see just unbelievable amounts of deer on those two hunts. And you weed through a lot of bucks, but because it's the rut, you end up usually finding some really good ones. And those are probably two of the funnest hunts to do. They're just very difficult to draw. And then we move into the, I'll see, our fourth choice is <clears throat> probably 231, which is one of the best genetic units in the state. And it's, again, a general hunt. You know, if it had a rut tag, it'd probably be the hardest tag in the state to draw. But they don't have one, so it's it's a it's an area that probably has as good a bucks as any other unit. And historically, some of the best bucks to come out of Nevada have all come out of that unit over the years. And it's just a little bit tougher because they don't offer rut dates. And then also the two twenty one, the two twenty three that I talked about as our rut tag has a early hunt, which is October fifth through the sixteenth, and then a mid season hunt, which is seventeenth through the thirtieth. And again. Some of the best genetics, uh, several governor's tag bucks have been shot out of that unit in the last, you know, 10 years, and uh, some of the best bucks on the archery round have come out of there. So it's got great genetics. Again, if it was the rut, it'd be the toughest draw in the state to draw. But because it doesn't have the rut, you just have to work a little bit harder and you have to catch a break. But if you put in for those, you have a much better chance of drawing. And we talked about this before. You have zero chance of killing a big buck if you never go hunting. So I, I like doing those types of units and you know not everybody's going to kill a really big buck but you know i think we you know we probably run on those lower hunts we're probably around 50 50 on 180 plus type bucks with the outside chance at a really big one so greg uh the way i understand it if you put in in this guided draw that is for rifle hunts only so once you put in for the guided draw that's it for your deer application. You can't also put in for an archery tag. So in other words, you have to choose, okay, if I want to go rifle and I'm going to go guided, I'm, I'm doing this, or if I want to do archery, then that's you have to apply in the separate draw. Is that correct? Yes. It in the general be, draw. Yeah. I mean, when I started over there 25 years ago, you could do both. And then about, gosh, it's probably been at least 10 years ago, maybe even more, they stop that to where now they make you choose. You either have to do the non-resident guided draw for rifle or you have to do the regular draw for non-residents for the archery muzzle or a rifle. You cannot do both anymore. Gotcha. Um, you know, Nevada over the years, one thing that's interesting to me is the tag numbers uh, seem very, very low compared to the size of the country uh, not just looking at the non-resident numbers, but even the resident numbers uh, in general for the size of country, uh, not a lot of tags. Is that why you see, you know, pretty good bucks being harvested every single year? Yeah, I think it's, I don't think the genetics are really any better there than if you went to a, here in Arizona in a unit like a 19A, you know, where it's just a general unit, but way less tags which allows those deer to get older age class and then you get to see 
you know, the genetics at their full potential. So I don't necessarily think the genetics are any better over there than they are in other places. I think they just manage them. You know, the same things I say that I like about it are the same things I'm frustrated about because it's hard to draw, guys. But the reason it's everybody wants these tags is because they have great bucks, and, and the reason they have their great bucks is because they keep their tag numbers low. So it's one of those things that, you know, the, the very thing you like about it is the very thing that's so frustrating also. Yeah, so the uh, the draw period just opened on February 11th, and I believe it closes on March the 4th, and then the drawing takes place on the 13th, I believe, of March. Uh, do you find out right then on the 13th, I mean, immediately when the draw takes place, or does it take a little while? Well, actually, it's those numbers, I read that too. There was, I don't know who was putting it out, but those are, the numbers are, it actually closes on the 11th, and okay. it'll, it, so they give us exactly one month. So it'll close on the 11th, and the draw is on the 27th this year. And we will find out immediately. Um, okay, so, and is that before the, um, so do the guided, your guided hunters that draw, do they find out before the Nevada um, general season draw is even taking place? Yes, they do. It, the general draw typically opens up right around the same couple of days. Sometimes it's a day or two after, sometimes a day or two before. But it stays open until mid-April. So they'll know before the regular draw is even out. Okay. And usually okay. if you find out the day of the draw, they send out an email. <clears throat> okay. And so last year, wh what was your best buck that you guys harvested last year? And how does that compare with, say, other years where, you know, you've been known for the last 20 five years to shoot some really, really big bucks. I'm just curious overall, you know, not just one unit, but all of the units, you know, was it just an average year or did you actually think it was a little better than average? No, it was definitely below average as far as the really big bucks. A lot of the bigger bucks really went down last year. Um, you know, last year, the biggest buck we shot was that 206 deer. Um, and we shot a lot of deer that I think on normal years. Some of these deer are all deer we've known about. You know, they're inventory deer, and they all dropped. But I think, you know, it definitely was not an average year. I'd say it was definitely quite a bit below average as far as the real high end. I think you saw it across the board. But as far as success rates and everything last year on really good deer, you know, I think it was as, as probably a little bit better than average. You know, we just didn't have that real high, high-end buck you know, those two or three just real monster bucks like you normally get. They just, we just didn't see them last year, and I felt like, but then I think deer in the 180 class type of deer, I think we saw as much or more than, and, and harvested that type of deer better than other past years. So, you know, it's hard to say. If you were a guy <clears throat> wanting the absolute top end bucks, it was definitely a down, down near. And speaking about those top-end bucks, I mean, in years past, do you think the best bucks are harvested on the archery hunt, you know, over the years, or definitely on the late hunt? No, I think the best bucks are taken on the archery, and, and the biggest part of that is because of the amount of time you have. You know, if you could hunt them in the rut for a month, we'd kill bigger bucks in the rut. But the, the beauty of those archery hunts is we have all summer to scout. And, you know, so we're not limited to... You know, a six-day window in the rut. You know, you know it is on these. It's just like Tuesday in the rut. You know, I'm sure they travel a bunch and and go to different places. So all your a lot of your scouting goes out the window, and you know 
we're hunting deer that have migrated even. So now during a rut hunt, you have a six-day window, and don't get me wrong, you're going to see more big bucks per day than you would, say, in the summertime, but you've only got six days to find that buck. In the summertime, we've got, say, 30 days of scouting to find a big buck, and once we find him, he's going to be right there. And then, so it gives us a better opportunity to kill those really big bucks on the archery hunt. So I think the archery, if, if it were my choice, for the absolute biggest buck would be archery. Um, but it also depends on the people, you know. And it's a lot, obviously a lot tougher to stalk them and shoot them with a bow than it is with a rifle. So you're saying you have a longer period of time, but you also have bucks that are not on the move and they're a lot more stationary and a lot more predictable and patternable. And as long as you have time to hunt them, that's a really good opportunity, whereas the benefit with the late hunt is, you know, they're on the move, but a big buck may show up and be right there prime for the taking, but you got to kill them when you see them. Exactly. And, you know, and the other thing is, is you got inventory on those early hunts. A lot of those deer, you know, they summer in the same places. So you have deer you know about from the year before to start off right off the bat looking for. So we typically have more big bucks located early, and then, but then, you know, you got to kill them with a bow, which is a big trade-off versus a rifle. And if you can get those rut tags, like you said, they're moving like crazy. They're rotten. They're maybe not. They're not completely about themselves, so they make mistakes. And but you have a six-day window to get it done, and you know how that goes. Six days can go by in a hurry. So I think if I could choose, I would probably pick an archery hunt. Um, but other than that, you know, um, if you're not a bow hunter, those rifle hunts are phenomenal. Yeah, and so those um, early season rifle hunts that you're also have here in this guided draw. Um, bucks that you know about in the summer, some of these big giants, you know how there's that time frame after they shed their velvet. Do you find a lot of those bucks in the same areas and maybe catch a buck or two on those early um, rifle hunts, or are they in that transition period where they've already moved out of that summer range and they're really hard to find? No, we definitely we definitely take most of the bucks, you know, that we, I shouldn't say most, at least half of them are bucks we know about. Uh, Jeff Rowe did a phenomenal job of getting a buck killed on the early rifle hunt that was a buck we were hunting during the archery hunt, and then Matt Kelly did the same thing. He harvested a buck um, that was a buck we've been trying to kill for two years, and he was in the exact same place. Both those bucks were killed within a mile of where we hunted them all, all you know, the last couple of archery seasons. And then Sergio took a guy in the other unit and harvested a buck that, Taylor and Matt had been hunting during the archery hunt and just never got him killed, but were on him every day. And so Sergio went in there and was able to take him on opening day. So you definitely have a window in that beginning. It's kind of a trade-off. A lot of people ask if they should go early or late. If you go late, you might get lucky and catch some pre-rut. But if you go early, you're hunting bucks that we already know about. They're much, they're much more difficult to find that time of year. As you know, when they get hard horn, they start getting a lot more nocturnal. You know, on the archery hunt, we might see them for three hours a day between evening and morning feeding. On that time of year, we might see them for 10 minutes if we're lucky. Yeah, wow. Uh, I want to take just a quick second here, Greg, and thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson, my friend of 20-plus years, is the optics manager, and I call him the glassing guru. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. And if you call Cody directly, you can uh, get a hold of him at 702-847-8747. He's at extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. I want to thank them uh, for their sponsorship. I also want to remind you guys that this is application season, and if you 
you want to use the best Western hunting resource out there for draw odds, including this Nevada guided draw as well as the general and regular draw, uh, draw odds that are out there. Uh, go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and you're going to get a $50 GoHunt gear shop gift card that you can immediately start spending that 50 bucks there. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I'll also link this up in the show notes. I want to thank Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U.com, uh, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that uh, I wear on my hunts. Go to Kuyu.com to check out more. Uh, CanyonCoolers.com, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, Phonescope.com, which is the digiscoping device I use for all the videos and photos on my Instagram page. Uh, use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. And then OnXMaps.com. You heard Greg talk earlier about apps on your phone. Uh, that these young guys of his are using. I'm, I'm betting they're using the Onyx Maps, uh, and it's fun because you can literally say, I'm looking at a buck, and you can text that to uh, your partner, and literally he can walk right to the buck. Use the JScott19 promo code. You're going to get a 20% discount. Um, Greg, so from all indication, uh, you're thinking that this could be a really good year. My question is, are there some bucks out there, holdover bucks? Do you think there's more bucks that maybe got a pass last year um, or the same as, as it normal, or is it possible that there's bucks that maybe were smaller last year because of the drought that, you know, are could be really, really big deer and blow up this year with the right moisture conditions? I think it's, I think the two most important things are carryover and then moisture. And I think last year we had both a lot of carryover a lot of bucks that made it um, that didn't get harvested last year because of their size, you know, maybe weren't quite what people were looking for because of the drought. But now they're going to pick up another year of age plus this incredible moisture. So far, obviously, we need it to continue. It needs to go into the spring. But from all indications, it's looking phenomenal. I mean, at best, it's going to be an average year, but I think it should be phenomenal if, it, if we keep getting it. I was looking at the forecast, and it's I went out on two weeks in some of those places in Nevada, and they're calling for five or six more days of rain you know, in the next two weeks. So it should be phenomenal. That's great. Um, obviously, we just ended the Arizona um, application period. Um, actually, I think we're doing this, let's see, February 13th. They extended it uh, one day till tonight at midnight, I believe. Uh, I guess there was some problems with the computer, and so they extended it a day. Uh, you do and have done a lot of guiding in Arizona uh, you know, elk is your big thing uh, in Arizona, but you do other animals as well. Um, what is your outlook for Arizona elk, and how optimistic are you for um, this coming season in Arizona? You know, I, just like, I think it's a lot like Nevada. You know, we were, like, I do a lot in Unit 23 in Arizona. And last year was, you know, definitely a down year, and we managed to dig up one good bull. But, man, we saw a lot of bulls that were either weak, you know, because of their antler you know, because of the feed, their antlers are weak, a lot of broken bulls from last year, so a lot of big bulls made it through last year, way more than normal, and then when you throw on the moisture they're getting this year, I think you're going to see an explosion in Arizona. I mean, the other units we hunt, all of them did really good. Surprisingly, last year, I thought, like, units like 6A did really, had pretty good antler growth, which, you know, it's not really known for, but that was some of the better antler growth I'd seen, and I have no idea, I can't explain it, but last year it seemed like 
we just the time length was really good on the six A, which was, you know, I don't know. Did you did you get to hunt that all for whitetails or anything last year for coos deer? No, I I didn't. But interesting um, that that you had good antler growth. Um, you know, it's, it's maybe they had some browse that they found somewhere and and you know poured it on over the summer. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I was expecting the worst, and it was one of our better archery years over there. I was kind of surprised, and 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 not like older age class bulls. Like we shot one fairly young bull that went over 350 it was all and he got there because of time length on the back end which was when you look at everywhere else we went and looked around it was horrible so who knows there were just i think i think there's been some kind of a pocket where they were getting some feed or some range that we didn't get in other places but i think overall yeah. this year should be should be phenomenal I, I, it's just i can't remember i don't know about you but i can't remember a, this kind of moisture for this extended and long and then we had if you remember we had a record october as well so i think going into the winter with a great monsoon everything was healthy going in and then now with this i think it should be really good speaking of that as well um if for whatever reason i don't get you back on the podcast um talk a little bit about nevada elk um you guys have routinely shot great bulls over in nevada talk a little bit about um nevada elk and and um you know how that works and how the draw works and what have you with that yeah nevada's Again, it's a lot like the deer, just real low numbers of tags, you know, and, and uh, compared to other states. So because of it, they have really good, they just have a lot of, it's just, you see a lot of really mature animals on those elk hunts. Um, we typically do the 111 to 115, 221, 222, and 223, not necessarily in that order. I'd probably say 221 to 223, then 231, and then 111 to 115 in that order. Um, the, the late general and late hunts, that are in November. There's a what they call their early hunt is November. They don't have a, a rifle rut tag in those premium units, and then they have a late hunt that goes into December. Both of those are excellent hunts. You know, a lot of people get worried about it being a general late season, but with the low numbers of tags, it's it's typically a really really good hunt. So I would, I really, <clears throat> I really enjoy doing those elk hunts over there. The archery hunts um, are phenomenal. Their 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 seasons are like they're over three weeks long, so you get a lot of time to hunt a lot of great bulls so and, and i think that draw typically ends late uh mid-april so it opens up the end of march and goes through mid-april to apply and i think they're going to have a really good the elk obviously are just like the deer we're going to with this kind of moisture it should be a really good year good so anybody that's um interested in putting in for the nevada rifle mule deer for non-resident draw uh they can reach out to you but as well if they want to pick your brain about elk uh, and, and such, um, I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know where they can reach you, and then I'll link that up in the show notes of the podcast as well. Probably the two easiest way are to email me. Um, you can either you can do it through my website at muggyonrimoutfitters.com. You can email me, and I can get in touch with you that way. Or you can go to uh, on Instagram, um, which is uh, – I don't even know how to say it. With G, uh, let's see, Greg underscore Krogh, and uh, and you can direct message me there, and I check on those daily. And I've been doing a lot of sending, and I can email you. Just when you direct message me, and you're interested, in, just have make sure you put your email in the direct message, and I'll send you over the information that you'll need. And if you uh, need to talk to me, they can call me directly at seven seven five nine six two one seven two one. I'd be happy to talk to them about it. Buddy, it's always great having you on. Um, like again, it's uh, you're one of those guys. You, you you know you're 
we're we're getting to be where we're old school. You know, we're we're the older guys, um, but it's uh, you continually produce uh, awesome animals, and it's um, always great seeing you. When it, it seems like I bump into you at random times, uh, but you've always been a good friend, and and uh, I appreciate the uh, hard work that you guys put in, and the you know the success that you guys have, and the big animals that you put down, and your passion. Uh, even though we're getting a little older, we still love it, don't we? Oh man. I, I I can't. I tell you what. I really appreciate you having us on, and and uh, I'm uh, yeah. I definitely feel like we're getting older, but I, I I think I'm enjoying a lot of a lot of the different aspects even better now than I was before. But but it's definitely uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting used to being this old and being uh, <laughs> being referred to as old school. About you. But you know what I, you know what I'm saying though. It feels like you know feels like we just started but you look back and we've been doing it a long time it's it's um but it is good to see some of the newer guys getting into it and you know kind of carrying the torch so to speak and it sounds like you've got a great group of guys and i know several of them uh and uh, so i want to commend you on that uh for for being able to you know it doesn't surprise me that those guys want to be right there with you learning from you know one of the best outfitters um that you know these states have ever seen so um, any final thoughts or anything uh, that you feel like we missed or you want to pass on, feel free um, to uh, say that right now. I think we covered all. Just thanks again for having us on. I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. I'll link up uh, the, your phone number and the uh, website and uh, your Instagram page on the show notes. I want to remind the listeners out there, um, I don't know if Greg's going to be there, but I'm actually going to go to the Western Hunting Expo in Salt Lake uh, Friday and Saturday this coming week. I believe uh, uh, it's, uh, what is it, the 16th, 15th, 16th, 17th, something like that. Um, so look me up if you guys are in Salt Lake City. Uh, would love to reach out and say hello and I uh, just appreciate all the support that the listeners give this podcast. So, uh, Greg, uh, God bless, buddy. I'll talk to you later, okay? All right. Take care.